RadioInfluence.com. everyone and welcome to the Wednesday edition, Wednesday edition of the Dark Delight Podcast with Pump Day Val and Beans. Wednesday and you know what? I have to say this before we begin because 17 years ago today I was already 24 hours into labor with my little bundle of joy, Viviana. My daughter has turned 17 today. Wow. 17. Wow. She can't stop talking about it either. She's told everybody and us repeatedly that she's 17 today. So, almost a uh, an adult in the eyes of the law. Seriously, she's voting next election. I, I... Uh, yeah, 24 is gonna be a big year for her. Yeah, yeah, that's gonna be a big year. That was my 2004. That my my first election year was 20 years ago, 2024. That would be, uh, that's going to be interesting. Amazing. Amazing. So there's that. Happy birthday, Viv. I love you so much. You're an amazing young woman, and I'm so proud of you. Um, But to get into news, which is why everybody's here, we're going to start off with something that was filed yesterday that I just happened to miss. The Arizona Court of Appeals has set a schedule and a time for conference in the Cary Lake election appeal hearing thing. Um, this is not the Supreme Court of South Car- uh, of Arizona. This is the Division One Appellate Court of Arizona, and they're saying basically we're going to take this up unless the higher court takes it or tells us they're not taking it. If the higher court says they're not taking it, then I think that from what I'm reading here, th- this court won't either. Um, this case may may be resolved, however, prior to that date if the panel declines to accept jurisdiction on the special action. I'm, I'm waiting for some guidance on what exactly that means. But basically, they set January 24th as a hearing date, which is 10 days from now. And we'll have to see what happens. We'll have to see what hey. happens. Another. Uh, another round. Can't I'm, stop fighting if you know what's right. That's for sure. No, and she's gonna she's gonna take this as high as she can. I mean, I think that if she doesn't get the uh, relief that she's seeking in the Arizona Supreme Court, she'll take it to the actual SCOTUS and see what happens. Because it this is not a oh we're conspiracy theorists take a look at this action. It's just not as anybody who's been listening to the show knows. It's it's a lot more than that. So yeah, um, Frank, did you happen to catch the the Twitter files that were released yesterday? Yeah, I, I read through about half of them uh, before the, what was it? It might have been before bed or I, I don't know when it was. But yeah, I read through I read through most of them. So we had two drops yesterday. Um, one was the Twitter files, how Twitter let the intelligence community in. That's and the one I, want, I read. The other one was Twitter's belly button, um, which I have to find again because I had it up here. Uh, but... <laughs> I was going to do a Twitter space on this last night because I had so much to say about it. And then I noticed that Hans Monkey was doing one. And so I asked him, hey, can I jump in your space instead? Because they've been doing all this research into Spygate and stuff, you know, just like with us, with with me before we got banned and all that. And he's like, why don't you co-host with me? And I'm like, sure. So we pop into the space at 9 p.m. And then all of a sudden he goes, hey, by the way, we have a special guest with us. Matt Taibbi is joining the space. And so we had Matt Taibbi in our space for an hour, which was, he stayed for a little over an hour, actually, almost an hour and a half. A lot of information he gave us in there. One of the things he said, Frank, is that, by the way, I have all 17,000 of of Jim Baker's emails that he sent while at Twitter. (laughs) Wow. Every last one, huh? Every last one. And he... um, you know, he said a lot of other really interesting things we're going to talk about. But the other thing that struck me is that, um, well, not struck me, is that he's he's overwhelmed with all this. Basically, he explained the process of how he's doing this. He is going to Twitter and saying, search using these keywords for me, like almost like a FOIA. He's giving them criteria and they're returning responsive documents. So he doesn't have 
a massive pool of documents that they gave him in front of him and then he's sorting through this mountain of crap he's saying hey I want this on these words can you return for me and he they're returning and he said in the beginning he was searching and Barry Weiss was searching and they were hitting like a brick wall there was nothing being returned to them and they knew there had to be some documents responsive to what they were looking for and so they started asking Twitter staff like how come you guys aren't returning responsive documents to us on this and they said well our 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 council is telling us, you know, no. Here's <laughs> here's his phone number. Give him a call. <laughs> who who do you think that council was, Frank? Jim Baker. Yep. And <laughs> yeah, and then he was ba- he was he was fired. Like the, the Elon didn't even realize. I don't think that he was still in the mix of things. Oh my gosh. So we got rid of him. Yep. <laughs> uh, did anybody ask uh, Matt Taibbi about? about how, how much the likelihood of there being even more that had been destroyed in the past or, or destroyed in the months uh, that were that you know everybody was in it was a, like a big limbo period between Elon Musk expressing interest and then gaining the financial backing and then getting approval of the stockholders like during that time what is there what's the likelihood that even more damning stuff was destroyed um, in the event that this actually went through. Well, nobody asked that explicit question, although it's a very good one. Um, What they did ask, though, is do you think that you are being stonewalled in any way? Are there things being held back from you or things that you're asking for that you're not getting? And he said, no, I don't feel like that's happening. I honestly have no way to know whether or not that's happening, but I don't feel like they're doing that. So I don't know. And he wouldn't know either. Like, he wouldn't have any any way of knowing whether or not documents were deleted or removed. I have to assume they were. You'd think that they'd be running around in a flurry trying to get rid of them all. Um, D- Brick Suit was there, uh, and he came up for a minute, and he said, you know, basically, I would give anything to see the looks on their faces when they know that, you know, um, Elon's taking over and they've got this treasure tre- treasure trove of horrible malfeasance. But the big thing we learned yesterday, Frank, and we're going to go through a 30,000 foot view of this together, and I know you're going to be great at it too. Matt Taibbi showed us not only how the intelligence community got let in, but also that literally the entire... Russian interference, Russian influence campaign on Twitter was completely fabricated. It did not exist. It didn't exist. Which means by default then that the release the memo push that we did that 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 Feinstein and Schiff wrote the letter about saying, oh, there's a Russian influence network trying to get them Devin Nunes' memo to be released. You have to push back against this, blah, blah, blah. BS. And they knew it. Twitter was like, they came to Twitter and they said, um, intelligence community came to Twitter and said, hey, you haven't produced us any Russian disinformation accounts. You know, like they should be producing this rolling thread of Russian disinformation accounts that didn't, they're like, we don't have this happening. Can you please come to us before you go out in the media? Because they looked at it as a PR issue because Reporters were saying there's this massive Russian influence network on social media on Twitter that that is not being actioned. And yeah. Twitter's like, they're not Russian. They're not. They're just. Yeah. That, that, that awkward moment when you realize that Russian disinformation is just a, a code word for Americans. We don't like Americans. Congress at was the, warning against. Unbelievable. At the end of the day, what does this mean in the big picture? The entire Russia hacked the DNC narrative is bunk. They knew it. They fabricated it because Guccifer 2, who comes up quite a bit, Matt Taibbi said, um, he hasn't done an explicit keyword search for Guccifer 2 yet, but comes up quite a bit. For those of you who don't know or don't remember, Guccifer 2 was allegedly the hacker from Russia who did nothing to cover the fact that he was from Russia, right? So this, this, Super duper fancy hacker from Russia doesn't use a VPN. It just makes plenty of sense. Um, He was the one who allegedly hacked the DNC and then provided the files to WikiLeaks. 
complete nonsense, didn't happen, didn't, it wasn't real. Which means that then it wasn't a hack by a, uh, Apartment 26 and Fancy Bear and Cozy Bear that produced the DNC leaks. Leaks. And then you have to start asking yourself, if you're an honest broker, what the hell are they doing with two laptops from Seth Rich? And we've talked about this at length, Frank. Um, what's his name? Julian Assange going to Jim Comey and saying to him, I will come there on a queen for a day immunity agreement. I will tell you exactly what happened with the, the, the DNC leaks and where I got the information from. And if you, you know, give me this immunity for this, I won't release the Vault 7 CIA hack. And Jim Comey stepped in to say, sorry, not sorry. We want to keep this narrative alive. You're screwed. Yep. And, and let the CIA, the biggest leak in CIA history, go out to the public all to keep this narrative safe. Oh, not only that, but the leak itself provided you enough information to realize that that you you really cannot trust any accusation from the intelligence community about what they have found regarding digital fingerprints and evidence of foreign actors or anyone doing something in cyberspace that's considered a crime because they have long since have every imaginable tool available to them to be able to frame people for whatever the hell they want. So that was it, it just goes a, a step further in reminding yourself of how important the lie about Russia was to preserving that that story for the FBI and all of their cohorts, because w what they gave up, what they allowed to be released to be able to keep the media narrative in place was actually even greater evidence that everything that they're talking about can't be trusted. I if you're looking at some of these too, Frank, it's like basically they're saying, Twitter was, he says this, Twitter was so sure they had no Russia problem. Executives agreed the best PR strategy was to say nothing on record and quietly hurl reporters at Facebook. You're talking about the five out of the gosh knows how many accounts were bucketed accounts that they ended up, um, you know, acting on had like $200 of spend among them and zero in zero interaction, like three retweets here and there, not not even on the radar of most Americans. The biggest account that they identified was RT. Okay, whatever. Not only that, you remember Senator Mark Warner, correct? Yeah, he was part of the. He was the actually. He was the one working with James Comey to uh, to put the whole the Julian Assange thing to bed. Amen. You know what he did? He came out to Twitter when they were telling them, we don't have this going on. There's nothing here we can act on. And he said, I am so disappointed. He put out a press release. He started like, you know, basically jumping around saying, how dare they not act on this stuff, blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, we know that the whole time he was working with Adam Waldman, who, if you don't know that name, was Johnny Depp's attorney who testified in his defamation case. So weird, this whole thing. But Waldman was working with Warner. We got the signal messages out of this. And um, he was a go-between between, between three characters that you really don't always consider in the same sentence. Julian Assange, Christopher Steele, and Oleg Deripaska, who was that oligarch. Now, Oleg Deripaska is a, is a whole story onto himself. But Oleg Deripaska had arranged to free Levinson, one of our people that was, was stuck over there, um, and I think it was Iran. I'm going to blank because it's it's all in my head jumbled up. And he had arranged that with the Hillary State Department. And then it the, had the plane and everything. I mean, a lot of personal risk went into that for him. And at the last minute, Hillary Clinton was like, never mind. But it, I mean, this is serious. Now, once Russia, 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 I think I posted a tweet. Everyone I don't agree with is a Russian bot because that's what we were all being called. Anybody who had released the memo in their Twitter handle, anybody that was on there trying to get Nunez's memo out, the memo that they said after the fact was all lies and meant absolutely nothing, even though we know that it was the beginnings of the uncovering. Um, they moved on from there once Russia wasn't good any, anymore. And in the second drop, the, the FBI belly button one, which I'm going to find right now so I can link it in the show notes, he literally says, the, the, Adam Schiff contacts Twitter 
They basically threaten them with with sanctions, with with antitrust, with legislation. This is the linchpin in the Missouri v. Biden case, by the way, that they really, really needed government, direct government threats if you don't then, which is now on full display. But Adam Schiff goes and tries to get freaking Paul Sperry, journalist Paul Sperry, taken off of Twitter during the Ukraine impeachment for, get this, QAnon conspiracy theories. I saw that much. I, and, and I, I saw I saw that much, and I'm glad that the dog pile on Twitter began with everybody tagging Ship and asking him about that. And uh, and and, but again, again, I want I can't say it. Um, how, how, I can't say that either. Okay, <laughs> I say, <laughs> you know, it's like you have the guy, you have the dog, you have that puffy face, puffer fish. Uh, Adam Schiff, and you're you effectively been able to jam his nose into the pile of dog crap that he left behind. And you're you're, you're you see it, puppy shame. You can do that, but what? Else? I mean, what else? I mean, this is a that's that, that's breaking the law. It is to me on it is so. Yes, and not only that, not only did that happen, but when the Trump State Department came and wanted, um. Chinese influence accounts removed, the Twitter wouldn't act because that was a Trump-guided suggestion, not a our friends in the intelligence community-guided um, suggestion. And it was all about, you know, COVID and, and, and the narrative that, that Trump, that uh, China, it was a lab leak. They were saying, no, it's natural origin. There's no way that this was... was uh, everything that we've said over the past five, 10 years even back to 20, 25 years ago, is all freaking true. It's just all true. We've not been wrong about one thing. Can you name one, quote, conspiracy theory that was, you know, widely investigated by people that has been wrong? Anyone? Bueller? Uh, nope. Zero. Zero. Uh, no, what, what I'm actually getting, um, becoming a little surprised, well, not surprised, but uh, it's, it's great that there's still blank spots where pieces can be filled in and we can get a little bit more context. For example, what you had you brought up before where there was nothing with the release the memo thing and the the nonsense from Feinstein and Schiff about how there's a major Russian influence campaign on Twitter, which did not exist and which that then the buck had to be passed over to Facebook. Is that is that then the origin story of the so-called one hundred thousand dollars of ads that was spent there to influence the election so far uh, yes i believe it is because this we mean, menial amount of money even that right and we haven't been, obviously we don't have an elon at Twitter at uh, facebook so we haven't been able to see any of facebook stuff but i feel like you know i feel like mark zuckerberg at this point is like a a, a wounded baby with his tail between his legs because Elvis Chan, the guy, the mastermind, the FBI, you know, mastermind behind all of this crap, the guy, the go-to, he was identified to the people in Missouri v. Biden by Facebook. That's how they found him. Um, and he's been in all of these Twitter files, like like every drop he's been in, every single one, coordinating all this for the FBI. And again, usually we get this stuff and we have to wait for a lawsuit to come afterwards. There is a lawsuit ongoing about this very thing right now that we've talked about a bunch of times on the podcast that is going to soak this up and make a motion to dismiss at any point at all completely impossible, even though it was 90% impossible before. The judge in that case is not having it. That case is going to be the most revolutionary case we ever see in this country. I'm guaranteeing it right now. It, unless something catastrophic happens, that's going to be... The bomb diggity because you know we i asked matt about this last night i said have do you know if twitter has also handed this stuff over to the ag of missouri and the ag of louisiana and he said well they haven't come to me i didn't think they would go to him why him they would go right to twitter right so yeah. it's 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 i can't even you know a lot of people are like oh well nothing's happening that's not really a hundred percent true it, it's really not 100% true. There, there is something happening. It's just what you know about it that is limiting. Um, 
Yeah, I like. I can't wait to see what the follow up is because, like I said, this is more. This is more so than just uh huh, a, uh, a a lie. I mean, but but then again, every lie is tied in with a major, a a major upturning operation that was targeted on the American people and the rest of the world because how America goes, a lot of uh, global policy is dictated war is conducted or de-escalated i mean it, there, there's so much this is not like paul pelosi no you know covering up what was going on in the pelosi house is i i still believe just a probably a personal situation that got out and is very embarrassing but has no other real weight outside of that but this is not paul pelosi this is elections this is this leads to um this uh, isn't hunter uh, biden doing crack on the side of the road with the prostitute it, it's no it's, it's much- real real international and domestic crimes real stuff and you know i just want to mention again in, in do you remember that that list of twitter accounts that they came out with the media the th- uh, some ngo or whatever did it it was the, it was the 300 and and a lot of a couple people we knew were on the list of the three hundred that were influenced by you know foreign, uh, whatever the Rolling, the Rolling Stone thing. It was a, I think the Rolling Stone wrote the piece, but that's not what it was. There I went. They were talking about election um, influence operations before the two thousand eighteen midterms, and they had this list of three hundred accounts that supposedly talked about all this election interference that they brought to Twitter, and Twitter was like, meh. And then they were forced to act on it because of the media. And I looked through those accounts and I debunked every single one of the points that they made using like 15 or 20 of the accounts that were still in existence. Um, It's all nonsense. It's not real. They would have been better off creating their own accounts and making them look like they were in Russia than what they did. But they, again, with impunity, Taibi said, they just talk about this stuff internally like it's nothing. Even Baker, he said Baker was like the least careful. He was so flippant and didn't even care. I mean, of course you're not going to care when nobody's holding you freaking accountable ever about anything. I mean, this this is why I thought that there at least and there could have been back channel communication as well, that you would think that you would think that nothing like this unless you know that this company is never going to be wrestled away from the current controlling interests by someone like Elon Musk, that there would never be this much stuff on the record uh, in just easily accessible company-wide emails. Because it's just a, it, it's so much, I don't know, it's a second government. It, it truly, really, I, I like I said last night, this isn't Democrat versus Republican at all. It's really not. It is an unelected, unaccountable, rogue bureaucracy acting as rulers over the American people, unaccountable to anyone, with the full power of law enforcement and the intelligence community wrapped into one package that is... It's exactly what Eisenhower and JFK said would happen if we allowed this to continue. And I don't see a way out of it without completely disbanding some of these organizations and just saying goodbye. Like, we can't have this happen anymore. I, I, I just don't see how it changes otherwise. So, I mean, I will tell you, um, I obviously am cross-posting on several different social media sites, which is a full-time job in and of itself. You, you know, Frank, it's, it's yes. intensive. Um, but the conversations being had on Twitter right now about several different topics have never been able to flourish before because of abject censorship, whether it be ideological or directed from the government. And we had a very long conversation about, um, hold on. I don't know why I'm blank. Uh, Hamlin, about Hamlin and his on-field on incident, um, which was terrible to watch. I mean, nobody wants to see that, which we're going to get into, I think, after we talk about the speaker race if we have time. So let's not hog up the whole time with the speaker race because I don't want to do that and miss out on the Hamlin conversation. But are you watching any of this nonsense unfold by chance? With the speaker what? of the house vote? Oh, 
no, not really. I, I I kept up with it just casually along the way. I don't care um, at this point. Who I understand that there is there are certain things that become available to us as far as what can be done with committees and investigations and but even those in the past when the house is in friendly hands where do investigations go we get a lot of great sound bites but we get you know it's all wretch no vomit so at, at this point my my interest in who becomes the speaker of the halfway house of representatives is 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 minimal on the other hand though i really do appreciate that finally there is some kind of willingness from a uh, a substantial group of members of the house that is that's willing to at least make this bought and sold poser kevin mccarthy at least wait a couple more days and I... and, and, and and maybe he maybe he bows out who knows but I'm I'm glad that they're they're they've at least pissed in his Cheerios. I'm with you almost to a T on that. That's like exactly what I told a very good friend of mine. Like, what's the effing difference? The only thing that I think they should have done differently, and we're gonna listen to some clips because what is happening right now on the national stage, guys, is like my county GOP on steroids. I've experienced this very thing. It is something else. And they should have had someone that they could get in there that had that they could have engineered the votes for lined up instead of causing this crap show and not having a plan the only thing that i would have done differently because they had so long is to have somebody that could actually win lined up because then otherwise it's just why are they doing this he's going to end up winning anyway and i have to say this and i know a lot of people out there are going to be like Donald Trump came out this morning again, wholeheartedly endorsing Kevin McCarthy. There are 20 to 25 members who are just have been pounding the pavement against Kevin McCarthy because they say he's he's more of the same. He's um, you know, he's more of the 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 same old establishment. Talk out of one side of his mouth, do something else. And we don't need that anymore. And our constituents don't want this anymore. They're not listening to him because their constituents don't want them to listen to him. I don't know how Donald Trump is going to sway these 20 or 30 people that are just like, F this noise, no, we're not voting for him, if they started off that way. Like, he obviously is not having the influence that he's looking for because he would have had it from the get then. I'm sorry. And, And you know, and I like that Donald Trump obviously has, still has a lot a lot of uh, of influence where it counts in in certain in, in elections all over the country yep. I mean, his record speaks for himself but i also love i also love that this latest generation of um of lawmakers i i guess that has made it to wherever the hell they are they're not all willing to just go along and they're not all completely sycophantic to the point where they would stop this pursuit because donald trump said oh no let's go with the poser i i I like that i really do beautiful i think it's a great thing um for what it's worth it's a fantastic thing to to see that 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 somewhat independence of thought but um i I, you know, we, we're in such dire straits and it's not so much about you look at Twitter, you look at the Democrat Party. That was the the the, the main driver of all that. We understand that there was a lot of uniparty influence there from the McCain camp and uh, and, and all over the place. I mean, uh, I mean, Burr and at the uh, in the Senate Select Committee and all that stuff. And so there's plenty of Republicans and Democrats that work together on selling the Russia crap. I mean, they all have to they all have to sit down and and, and agree that it was a, a hack and not a leak. And so there's so many things that you just you say, what the hell is the difference? And um, because of that, I always wonder, especially at this point, since it took Republicans and Democrats working together to allow Donald Trump to have his scalp removed in 2020 uh and 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 all of that why the hell do you still feel like you need to play ball 
I mean, they, they've already shown you have no friends there. Why do you still have to play ball with the McCarthy types, even if you never get elected again? Why don't you just just be a, a just I don't know, just swing for the fences on everything now exactly- and try to correct correct all of the half steps and the half measures that you took in the last seven years because you had to play ball. Why don't you correct those half measures now? That's what the people go- want. That's what the people yeah. want. We're demanding it actually, and they're saying it. And I'm going to tell you, Matt Gates is the ringleader here of all this. Um, and I'm I'm going to say this in in he is going to have a hard time after this is over. He's going to have a hard time. Anything that he wants to do, anything he wants to get accomplished, there will be a brick wall in front of him. As a matter of fact, what some of the Republicans who are pro-McCarthy and kind of going through the committee assignments and everything have said is, you know, there will be punishment for not going along with the lockstep. And that's a dictatorship. That's not how it's supposed to work. I'm happy this is happening. I'm happy. I'm glad to see it. We're going to play some clips real quick of this. But... Kevin McCarthy is already on the World Economic Forum listed as the House Majority Speaker. He's already in the office before the vote's even done. Does that remind you of anything? How presumptuous of him to do that? Like, I would, even if I knew I was going to win, I'd wait. They don't give a crap. They don't care what it looks like. They don't care. They don't care. I'll tell you one thing. And like I said, on a federal level, I have less and less, um, less and less attention I pay to it all. But uh, as much as I hate European politics, I I, I definitely see a, a coalition kind of environment in in Congress as far more productive than this get in line. It's red versus blue. It's, you know, the same twisting twin snakes. You know, I, I would much rather see a coalition kind of environment pop up where you really yeah, it, it's like thousands, little t- hundreds of little parties. That would be great. Here is a, a clip from Matt Gates from yesterday. Pretending to be, but we were threatened by my committee uh, chairman to be on the Armed Services Committee, Mr. Rogers, that if we did not vote for Mr. McCarthy, we would be removed from committees. Our position is that if Kevin McCarthy is the Speaker of the House and we don't have an ability to ensure that there is uh, oomph behind the agenda and energy behind our oversight that the committee assignments don't mean that much anyway. I'm yeah. not here to participate in some puppet show where we pass a bunch of messaging bills, send them to the Senate, watch them die, fail to use leverage, and don't hold the Biden administration accountable. I don't want to relive the Benghazi experience where it's just theater yeah. pretending to be oversight. Right? Yep. We can do better than that. And. I can't disagree with anything he just said. It's so nope. true. It's exactly what I said before. What are we going to get? We're going to get sound bites. That's all we got out of Trey Gowdy and 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 Benghazi. Yes. Sound bites and goosebumps, and then all, and here we are, all these years later. Now, interestingly, um, Marjorie Taylor Greene has been like on the McCarthy bandwagon, hardcore. Let's listen to a couple things from her, and then we'll get on to. Some more clips from Gates. I'll spend another 10 minutes on this max and that's it. Here we go. We have been negotiating, talking, debating back and forth in our conference, trying to come to a really good rules package. And it's amazing. As a matter of fact, I'll quote Matt Gates. He said it's exquisite. That's what he said on our conference call on Sunday. Um, But in that conference meeting there, we found out that there were several members, three in fact, that went in uh, last night and were demanding positions for themselves, demanding gavel positions, demanding uh, subcommittees, demanding for people to be taken off committees and people to be put on committees. Three, three Republicans out of our 222. I want you all to know I have not done that for myself. The only thing I have done is an, is debate. And This sounds like a high school freaking bickering nonsense about who's cooler. I can't stand that. We have a country falling the hell apart and you guys are worried about who's holding a gavel. Get shit done. Enough is enough, man. We don't give a crap about this. We don't care. And you know, you know, when when it comes down to dollars and cents, because that's really all that matters at this point, is nobody, nobody's actually going to clean things out and, and restore government to its proper size and function. But when it comes down to dollars and cents, uh, uh, a uh, uh, the, the kind of leadership in the House that she's talking about 
And, and, and in many cases, what what uh, Matt Gates is talking about, too, he's not going to do anything too radical. A one point seven trillion dollar spending bill would really just become one point two. And they'd be, and, and, I, I know which is, we don't have I mean, the Senate. So, OK, we don't have the Senate. We don't have the Senate. So they the only place that they're really going to have any oomph is on oversight and investigative. That's the only place where they're going to be able to do anything of substance. And we need people in those places that are going to do something of substance. Because at this point, oversight doesn't exist. They they don't even respond to letters. Somebody needs to hold accountability. So let's listen to a little more here. Hold on. Here's the facts that the base has not been told by my friends who are opposing Kevin McCarthy. We cannot fire any of Nancy employee, Nancy Pelosi's employees in the Capitol. I'm talking about sergeant at arms. I'm talking about clerks at the desk. I'm talking about very important employees in the House, in the Capitol. They cannot be fired until we get a Republican speaker. That's going to happen, though. Who cares? That'll end up happening. I'm sorry, Marjorie. I don't. I'm sorry. I don't know what the hell she uh, that matters. That's stupid. That it's going to happen. It's just who it's going to be. Obviously, they don't have anybody that can get the votes. So goodness knows. Do we want Hakeem Jeffries to be Speaker of the House? No. But yes. I don't know how this is going to end up. I really don't. If what I do know is that Ron Paul. Yes. Or as Julie Kelly suggested, me and her go in and take the Speaker gavel together. It could. It could happen. So here is something interesting. It's more than once, and it means something. Because if you recall, AOC was the whole reason that Pelosi ended up eventually getting the gavel last go round because she almost didn't pull it pull it off. And then the little progressive AOC caucus on the left over there came over and did their thing. Here she is talking to Gates. as they go and then we had Gosar doing the same I can't hear them too bad they're not saying anything oh it's just lip reading basically but they're communicating right now because there were votes that they could probably use over on her side of the aisle and there's probably some kind of deal making going on because they can't get their own freaking conference to do what they want. So look at how smart she is. She's very smart. Well, I can just you can just see the the intelligence brimming behind her eyes. Those big moon eyes of hers. She's so smart. You know, uh I, I would I wouldn't mind becoming Speaker of the House for two years. I would I would I would do a lot of I would say a lot of things. It would be a lot of fun. And uh, uh who, who but you know, more practically here. Because like you said, who the hell would it really be? I know that the 20 holdouts, they're they're putting their nomination behind Jim Jordan, no? Jim Jordan has said he doesn't want it. Exactly. Jim so, Jordan so what, wants his judiciary appointment. So that's what I'm talking about. It's, it's like, nonsense. I, I, I'm, glad, I'm glad that there is some dysentery amongst the ranks right now. But it, it, I, I would much rather them have their nomination be vested in a person who's interested in the position. It just seems like it's so there's that ridiculous. That's ridiculous in itself. He Paul, doesn't even want it. Paul Gosar said something really funny. Like there's a screenshot of him talking to AOC and he writes. So then I says the combustion engine was actually a miracle of engineering that people take for granted today. <laughs> Can you imagine can you imagine me? I, somebody just said it there. I would love to see Frank rip up pull, uh, Biden's speech. I would love to have some prime real estate behind the president of the United States during a uh, a so-called Frank, State of the Union speech. I don't. I <laughs> shudder to think what you would do. Oh my god! You'd have that a, would be a so big great. phallus out there. I would be. I, I I don't know what I would be doing. I'd be. I, I would be. I don't know what I would do. It would be perfectly tasteful, though. Here, I've got more clips for, of Gates real quick, and then we'll, we'll move on. Those of us who will not be voting for Kevin McCarthy today take no joy in this discomfort that this moment has brought. But if you want to drain the swamp, you cannot put the biggest alligator in charge of the exercise. 
I'm a Florida man, and I know of what I speak. We offered Kevin McCarthy terms last evening, but he rejected. We sought a vote in the first quarter of the 118th Congress on term limits. He refused. We wanted a budget from the Republican Study Committee that balances on the floor in the first quarter. He refused. We wanted the border plan that the Texas delegation put together on the floor. He refused. And it is true that we struggle with trust with Mr. McCarthy because time and again, his viewpoints, his positions, they shift like sands underneath you. Even Kevin McCarthy's own mentor recently said that the lies always change. And Mr. McCarthy is not only responsive to pressure from the right. Time and again, he has failed to achieve the goals that we seek on spending and on the fight. For months, we have been asking Mr. McCarthy for his battle plan. How do we ensure that we stand up for folks in the military who feel like they're being purged? How do we ensure that if there is the passage of a farm bill, it includes things like work requirements? And all we got was a handful of howdy and a mouthful of much obliged. Because he doesn't, I don't think he gives a crap, McCarthy. Why would he care? Yeah. Here, here's Jim Jordan telling everybody he doesn't want to be speaker. Hey, did, you, is there any did chance you mute you me in the chat room? What? You muted me in the chat room. No, I didn't. That's it ridiculous. Says the, it says the creator has been muted in the chat Oh, oh, well, now I'm back. It said the creator had muted me in the chat room. I was like, oh, damn. Well, maybe you should watch your mouth. I didn't say, I said re. I didn't say anything bad. <laughs> okay. Sharon, Sharon. <laughs> Sharon, don't mute, don't mute a host. <laughs> this is impossible on Rumble yet. Okay, keep going. Here he is. Speaker of the House. No, I, watch yourself. Uh, no, I, I'm being clear. I want to, I want to, I want to chair Judiciary Committee. Um, I mean, you guys know I like, I like this ability to cross-examine witnesses and get the, get the truth for the country. So that's what I'm focused on. Witness. Get the truth for the country. Great, Jim. Great. I'm so glad I have my doubts. Sadly. But here's the thing, uh, Tracy. What was the first half hour of the show about? We're getting the truth. I mean, there's there's so many more ways of getting the truth because all our biggest problems aren't hidden behind the veil of government secrecy anymore. Yeah, they have gone outside of the the bounds of what government has been a long time ago, and it has fascistically infiltrated the public space where we are. And it has become an extension of what is an already egregiously overreaching government. We from through twi- through things like this Twitter stuff, we've already gotten all the confirmation and disclosure that we need about everything from the the, the shutdowns, the lockdowns, to censorship at large, to uh, 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 elections, multiple election cycles. I mean, do you want to know why? Because whistleblowers used to go to Congress and say, hey, look at what's going on here. But Congress doesn't do crap anymore. So now whistleblowers go to media like independent media, like Project Veritas and Uncover DC and Twitter um, and Matt Taibbi and Glenn Greenwald and say, hey, Congress isn't doing crap about this. They've left me hanging out by a thread on my own. They say they're going to help and then they don't, which is something that's ongoing right now, by the way. Too politically toxic. Can't touch that right now. That's well, not getting us anywhere. Literally. Exactly. Exactly. And, and since we're getting satisfaction and since we're getting information and we're getting our curiosity uh, quenched in some kind of a way now outside of the dog and pony show of this endless train of sound bites and nothing happening, i.e. Benghazi, like Matt Gates was saying. Fast and the what, is it, what does it matter? What does it matter? I mean, I guess it's just time for class action lawsuits and for better judges to be appointed. I mean, that's the real problem. What the hell do we need Congress and their investigative powers for at this point? Do you is there a an oh. advantage I don't know of? Well, for weaponization, basically. I mean, for weaponization, because look what the January 6th committee did. I mean, there we have to play dirty just like they do. And if we don't start doing that. We're never going to win. And that's the war we're in right now. And we've got to start playing the game differently. So use your damn committee appointments to do what the American people are demanding you do and get some iota of accountability for the absolutely horrendous, unspeakable, 
unspeakable wrongs that are being done to the American people on a daily basis. Something. Please. Yeah. Guys, um, can you do me a favor if you're watching live? Can you hit the rumble button just plus us for goodness sakes? If you can you can you do that? That's important. Rumble us up. Give us a rumble. Anyway, um So yeah, so let's move on to 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 First of all, real quick before I go on to the next topic. If anybody wants to know where the Maricopa County corruption began, Head on over to Uncover DC or the show notes today and please read this column by Rachel Alexander called Maricopa County Corruption. Now it's your problem too because this is how local politics affects national issues. It's an entire story that she lived of what happened in Maricopa County and how they became the corrupt dumpster fire that they are today. Terrible. It's really something. That's a, It's a crazy story that everybody needs to read. Hamlin. We're going on to Hamlin. Because before these folks, before he was on a stretcher, there were people coming out and saying, it's not a vaccine. It's not the vaccine. It's not the vaccine. It's not the vaccine. And for the same reason that I said, we can't declare it is the vaccine, even though everybody jumped there because they know so many people that have been harmed by it. Let's do an experiment, Frank. Okay. Raise your hand or type a one in the chat on any platform if you know somebody that has been harmed by the mRNA shots. Go. Because I can guarantee you, I've got mine up. I can guarantee you that it's going to be too many people. And so regardless, let's pretend for a second what happened to him was just a freak accident. There's a reason why so many people are jumping over to that as a consequence. And it's because everybody knows somebody it's happened to. We've seen it too much. I um, retweeted Ethical Skeptic who, who, who had data. What they're saying that it was to him, um, which is Mortis... Um, Commotio cordis. Commotio cordis, right. That happens so infrequently and really is a baseball, more common in baseball, if anything. It ha- Well, it's not It's not so that it's common in baseball. It's not it's common. Just that it, it ha- because when I was coaching in the middle of my 16 un- uninterrupted years of coaching Little League Baseball at the 12U level, that is when that, that boy, 12-year-old boy, I forgot where he was from. He was a catcher, and he got a foul ball right to the chest, which for most people, it's just, it, it's absolutely nothing. You, you, most Usually you don't even bruise because of something like that. But because of this condition, which uh, that's the other thing, it, it is usually only around 13, 14, 15-year-old boys that are, if you're going to be hit this terrible lottery and have this rare thing happen, it's like that. Because I remember around that time when that happened, that is when leagues all over the country, I was talking about this last night, they they started to desensitize the the aluminum bats. A lot of leagues actually got rid of aluminum bats altogether, went back to wood. Uh, a lot more children started showing up to baseball practice with, with chest the, uh, the, 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 the chest plate underneath. It was like a foam chest yeah. plate underneath the, uh, the jersey. So I, I was right there in the middle of all that stuff. Now... As you're saying, you know, of course, the the Internet split into very predictable factions immediately. And this commotio cordis thing began to trend because it's it, I, I love how oh it's extre- it's exceedingly rare. And we can consider that. But we can't consider the exceedingly rare side effect of a substance that was coerced into the into the arms of over a billion people around the world that has obviously led to excess death and injury all over the place um it, it's just incredible and that was the most the most disturbing thing for me aside from the fact that you have a 24 year old man who's fighting for his life and a machine is doing all his breathing for him it's that there is there is it there's a chance it has nothing to do with the shot but this is just about um 
the psychological denial mm-hmm. that has rendered us incapable of asking common sense questions without the pitchforks coming out. That, it's very scary. That's exactly right. I uh, Exactly what I was going to say. I pointed out literally all I said was, well, this is normal because it's not. How many times have you seen on a football field something like that happen? And, and people underneath just attacking immediately, all kinds of people, how dare you? I said, tell me how it's normal to see a 24-year-old young man who's supposed to be in the peak shape of his life take a typical hit in football and then get up and then collapse and have to be resuscitated by CPR in the field. If you can't even submit that this is a freak occurrence, then you are absolutely programmed and brainwashed. There's no hope. Well, they do They do submit that it's a freak occurrence. They just will never kick over that stone to look underneath it, which makes no sense to me. Like, for example, uh, a doc, I know Dr. McCullough. I have the clip. Yeah. I mean, if, well, if there's, for example, this one guy, I have this little uh, screenshot I took last night. It's the only thing I responded to on Twitter when it happened. There's this, this small, small account. His name is Dr. Chris something. And he's like a family, uh, family doctor. And uh, and of course, he went viral. Now he's got a couple thousand subscribers, probably thinks he's on top of the world. And he said, as a physician, I believe Damar Hamlin was likely suffering from commotio cordis, where a blow to the chest has a precise at a precise moment in the electrical cycle stops the heart trying those trying to tie this to vaccine status to project their unscientific beliefs are terrible, horrible people. Pe- people say Ter- I should be ashamed. Same, yeah, terrible, horrible. I, I people. was called. I was called a moron for asking. I asked the question. I asked the question. I said, "Well, listen. You can give your opinions on whatever you'd like from afar, but what drives you?" to dismiss any possibility of a pharmaceutical-related aspect of this, Uh, even going as far as labeling those who aren't as rigid as him or anybody else, Dr. Chris, as horrible people. I mean, and then then I said, this is before Dr. McCullough put out his statement on things. I said, many of the people who are concerned with current trends that we are seeing, if you have eyes to see and are interested in knowing, they are your peers, Dr. Chris. You know, again, it's just this split and that is so more so far more damning i i Uh, there's somebody said you're definitely saying that he was vaccine injured blah 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 and i'm like no i'm definitely saying that this is very strange we can't jump to any conclusions but there's a reason why people are and here's someone who was vaccine injured same day same day Uchi, how do you say his name? Uchi Noir. Noir, I forget. He was a he wasn't that big, but enlarged it, heart. Absolutely vaccinated. Thirty six years old. Again, healthy. What line lineman? He was a lineman, I believe. Well, I mean, he was thirty eight. He 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 also was the type that was out there saying people who weren't getting the vaccine should be sent to jail. So so I said, yeah. Here's a vaccine injury for you. I'm not afraid to say it when we know. I mean, that's classic right now from what we know about this thing. But ethical skeptic came up with the, the with the numbers. 12 cases a year of commotio cordis. 12 a year. And then he did he did a chart. Um, sudden cardiac death in young adults not in a medical care setting. And it is off. It's off the chart. It's just off the charts. You want to keep your head in the sand by all means. I'm not going to be afraid to have this conversation. And you know what? We haven't been able to do it on Twitter for years. And now we can. Um, if, you know, having it on Truth Social is this is basically just everybody agreeing with you, which is great. But seeing the mental gymnastics and the pretzels people put themselves into to make the case that this is a normal thing that, you know, it's, ah, it's football, ah, it's like a, like, no! Here's a clip from uh, Peter McCullough if you want to hear this, Frank. Yeah. It's a sign of respect for the man tonight in the hospital. We don't know exactly why DeMar Hamlin collapsed last night, but at the same time, there are, it's a sign of respect. Come on. It's a sign of respect for the man tonight in the hospital. We don't know exactly why DeMar Hamlin collapsed last night, but at the same time, 
there are concerns about cases like this. Young athletes collapsing on the field of heart problems. And there has been a dramatic increase in this. You're not imagining it. What is this? Cardiologist Peter McCullough and researcher Pangus Polycritus looked into this trend in Europe, European sports leagues. They found that prior to COVID and the COVID-19 vaccines, there were roughly 29 cardiac arrests in those European sports leagues per year. Since the vax campaign began, there have been more than 1,500 total cardiac arrests in those leagues. Just a coincidence. It's all normal. Come fainted. on. Does that prove all normal. something? We don't know. But you should know that. Dr. Peter McCullough is a cardiologist. He's also the author of Courage to Face COVID-19. He joins us tonight to assess. Doctor, thank you so much for coming on. So this is one of those phenomena that people who use social media are aware of because there are videos of it floating around. But I don't know when the last time I heard, if ever, an American public health authority address this directly and tell people, what is this? Is this real? Tell us your findings from your actual study on this. The concern here is that athletes at a professional level, Tucker, are carefully screened for underlying heart disease. The leading cause of sudden death on the playing field is hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. The athletes are screened for this. Uh, there are rare conditions, genetic abnormalities in heart rhythm uh, that can present. Uh, but sudden cardiac death should be a very unusual phenomenon. And as your report indicates, it's extremely unusual in the NFL since the high level of scrutiny. There's a differential diagnosis that doctors go through when this happens. I watched it live and then I watched the replay as a cardiologist. To me, it looked like he made a hard tackle. There was head and neck uh, impact, but he got up, he clapped his hands and then he fell over backwards. It looked like a primary cardiac arrest Everything that was done on the field looked perfect. I think the duration of CPR and resuscitation is going to be in a window where he can have neurologic recovery. Uh, the issue is what caused it. And the concern based on our research is that COVID-19 can cause myocarditis or heart damage. The heart damage in some cases can be asymptomatic and the initial presentation can be a cardiac arrest. There's other things in the differential, genetic abnormalities of heart rhythm disturbance, hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, uh, a spinal cord type of interaction with the heart. But I think the leading concern here is vaccine-induced myocarditis, if indeed he's taken the vaccine. And boy, the family, the Bills doctors, and the current doctors at University of Cincinnati Medical Center have a public health obligation to tell us if he's taken the vaccine. I think that, I think that's that's fair um, in the coming days. Now, uh, that's, that's a, people are saying it's a given because 95% of the NFL is vaccinated. 95%, not 100, okay? It's not a given. It's not. So I'm not, I'm, we don't know. If he wasn't, then this is some freak accident. That's absolutely terrible. If he was, there is a public relations nightmare on the horizon. And we'll never know for sure, Frank. No, we know. we're well, never we going to get the truth. Never. No, we won't. Because, because again, again, it, I don't know what it is. Um, and then I, I thought that like the question I had asked that, Dr. Chris person. I thought it was a reasonable question to ask. And of course, here you have a person, you have uh, you have Peter McCullough, who obviously is a horrible person. Yeah. For wanting to have all of the factors that could possibly be included in this equation to figure out why a 24 year old man who has probably been playing this contact sport since he was five years old. I, I, I we're talking about a sport we're talking about a sport that on every down you have 22 people smashing into each other in far more um traumatic ways mm -hmm. than was presented in this particular collision it's just true okay it, i mean this is this 22 people normal co colliding these are these are little car accidents all throughout the game an hour-long game of regulation time and, and even more, 16 games sometimes. And then if you get to the playoffs, you're playing more. Then you have your preseason. You have all the the ball you played in college. You know, it, you're, you're telling – there should be bodies stacked to the ceiling after 103 years of NFL history. Okay? There should be bodies stacked. And I know that people have died. They've become paralyzed. The stingers. Things have happened, the obviously. Concussion, the concussions. But this – is especially in the time that we're living no so it remains it, it seems like everybody is just addicted to protocols and pride 
And in, in this point, I think that a lot of doctors are actually it actually be they might be acting out of spite with the obtuse nature of how they just ignore it completely. And obviously, they're far more important. That's far more uh, important to them, the, the pride than we are, because remaining in authority on all things means that you can never be wrong, apparently. And they love being the, the authority on things above all else. So um, I, I don't know. And if the same applies to the NFL. When something like this happens, they'll say, well, let's just wait for the facts. Yeah. But after the league forced almost everybody into getting these injections and you became a pariah in the media and all that stuff. I mean, you look, it's happened in, in NBA and in the NFL. And in the MLB. Yeah. Yeah. You become a pariah if you don't want to do anything like that. Um, so what do you think we're really going to get out Zero. of the NFL? Zero. Zero. Nothing. Nothing. We're, we're, so that's the worst part about this is we're, we have to we are doomed to live in this constant state of denial. And 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 uh, man, man, it's 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 crazy. The kind of responses I got. I, I trust me. I, I know I've gotten the same. Unfortunately, I have an interview coming up, so I we have to end it right now. But, um, okay. you know, every every guys um, you have been listening to the uh, Dark to Light podcast with. Frankie Val on the drums and Beans. Uh, you can listen to and watch Frank's show Monday through Friday at 7 p.m. at quitefrankly.tv. You or right can, here on Rumble. Or right here on Rumble. Oh, that's a new one for me. I didn't know that. Or Rumble. You can um, also listen to our podcast Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 2.30 Eastern Time on TuneIn, Stitcher, Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and RadioInfluence.com. Or live on Rumble and Getter Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 8.30 a.m. Eastern Time. We'll be back on Friday... And uh, this was a hell of a show. Later. Later.